<laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> no offense. No, none taken. <laughs> TFA fam, welcome back into another video. Today we're going to be discussing 2021 draft losers stock down, however you want to put it. It's me, your boy, Kev, back again with another video. Joined, as always, with Cody Kutzer. Today we're going to bring hot fire. A little bit of the low, a little bit of the downs, because we're talking about guys who just didn't, uh, who we're not as excited about now, who, who obviously took a major hit due to the NFL draft and where they stand now. So with further, further ado, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button for future content. Hit, and uh, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Listen, it was tough for me to come up with a lot of guys here because I don't think we've had enough time to really digest, kind of see how everything's going to play out. But there were a few that just immediately stand out that you just can't pass up. Uh, so, Cody, why don't you tell us who your first guy is that you were just not as excited about? Yeah, I think there's some obvious ones that, you know, I, we don't really need to talk about, like Andy Dalton and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, those kind of guys with, you know, what those teams did at quarterback. But you know the if we're gonna start off with obvious ones, listen, buddy, I'm I'm here for you. I have a you know the, the shoulder is here for for you to cry on. I understand why you pass it off to me instead of just jumping into it. You need you needed a, a minute to collect yourself. Let's just start here, get it out of the way. Your boy James Robinson. You know we whatever they brought in Carlos Hyde, we were feeling pretty good about that. You have been the conductor of the James Robinson train all off season. And then, you know, we, we thought that they could add somebody because that, that is a pretty thin depth chart. And then they come and they just kick you right in the nads and they take Travis Etienne in the first round. It was a, a, an absolute waste of a pick. And in, in my opinion, I wasn't even a big J Rob truther to the, to the point that you were like I said, third round, maybe, you know, day three guy, maybe, but to come in and, uh, you know, throw in ETN like that, even if we're going to believe what Urban Meyer said and that ETN is their, their third down back, even if that's true, which if it's true, this Urban Meyer experiment should be over right now, like today. It, it should already be over. But let's take that at face value. That was a thing that, you know, was was really, uh, you know, special about James Robinson last year was he was the guy every single down, down in, down out. He did well as a pass catcher. So even if you're taking away, you know, just the targets, and then he also, Urban Meyer also said that Carlos Hyde was going to, you know, form a one-two punch with J-Rob on, on the early downs. And if that's the case, I mean, you're looking at a guy who, you know, I, I don't have the numbers off, off the top of my head. Maybe you do. But in terms of his, like, opportunity share, I'm sure he was, you know, top five, top six in the league last year, you know, among running backs. And now we're taken away from that. So, you know, let's 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 pour one out. I'll, I'll let you say a few words here at the, at the eulogy, and then uh, you know we, we can move on to some other losers from the draft. Well, you know it's it was a terrible pick. It, it just was. It, it just didn't make sense. Uh, I, I continue to say that that you know you really shouldn't take a running back in the first round, and it didn't really make sense for them to take one. Like I said, James Robinson was more than capable last year. Really, was one of the best, if not the best, rookie running back last year. Who was at UDFA. The amount of money they're paying him was absolutely nothing. It just didn't make any sense to waste a pick there. They have so many other needs. Draft somebody defensively. Fix the offensive line. Whatever. Like It just didn't make sense to take Travis Etienne there, but it happened. He's there. 
I still think James Robinson has a role in this offense. I don't think Travis Etienne is going to be the guy. So I, I think that it's probably going to be more 50-50 split, and it's a situation I just can't touch. And, you know, pour it out for the homie James Robinson. Maybe they trade him somewhere because they need to, you know, he does not deserve to be disrespected like this. The amount of dis- – fuck you, Urban. Fuck you. You know, like – but so, yeah, I mean, that's really all I got to say about James Robinson. Like I said – if ETN falls in like the sixth to eighth round, I'll probably be okay with that and maybe be interested in a buyer. If he goes any further than that, I'm probably going to be out on that because I just think that this is probably going to end up being a true 50-50 split. So um, I can't really mess with that. So, you know, um, what one spot for me that I, I will have to say that uh, other people are excited about that I am not, and that is Trey Sermon and the San Francisco back. Listen, I get it. It's Shanahan. All these running backs have success, whether it's Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, like all these guys come in and have some success here. But there's just so many damn running backs in this backfield. Like with Mostert still there, Jeff Wilson is still there. They brought in Wayne Gallman, Trey Sermon's there. They also drafted Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. There's so many running backs in this back. Uh, Jermichael Hastings still there. So there's like six running backs in this backfield. There's no way that I feel like he's going to get the amount of opportunities that people think that he's going to. At most, he's probably going to get 10 to 12 a game. Now, in this offense, you know, it could be explosive enough that maybe he's efficient with them. But it's not so you're going to be able to count on a week-to-week basis. He's not, you know, and so for me, I just can't miss that, at least for year one. You know, I think next year maybe they'll cut some of these guys, get rid of some of this dead weight, get rid of some of these running backs. Most are probably gone. Jeff Wilson are probably gone. And maybe, you know, Trey Sermon steps in as kind of the lead back next year. But as of right now, I just can't be a buyer likely where he's got to go. People are going to overhype him. He's It's in the Shanahan offense, and people are going to want – I think he could end up going fifth, sixth round, and that's just too high for me. Yeah, this is going to be a New England Patriots type of situation. Like, I, I just – like, especially, you know, they, they traded up to get him in the third round, and, you know, like you said, the Shanahan system, this, that, and the other – until some of those other running backs are out of the way, like I, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Like, can could Sermon come in and you know end up beating those guys out? Sure, but because of the Shanahan system and because we've seen guys like Jeff Wilson pop off, you know, and, and give us RB one weeks whenever there's no one else there. If he slips up or if he's not getting the playbook or something like that, there's not going to be any reason for Shanahan just to slam him into the lineup just because he traded up for him. So that, you know what I mean, that that could be a case where maybe he wants him to be the guy, but then he ends up falling back on Mostert and, you know, Jeff Wilson. And because it is Shanahan, would it really be that crazy if, you know, we're, we're looking at Elijah Mitchell as, you know, a, a zero RB kind of savior at, at the end of the year? Like, I, I don't think so. I mean, I know he was a late day three pick, but, you know, if you look at his profile in terms of his athleticism of what he was able to do, you know, I, I think they were rotating – three running backs if I'm if I'm not mistaken uh for for Louisiana and he was still able to you know have some pretty solid production so this is just a a situation where I agree with you where other people are you know starting to hype up Trey Sermon and I like I just can't get there for 2021 2022 we may be singing a, a completely different tune what you know like you were saying with some of these other guys out of the way but as it stands right now, I I, I can't do it. No, I, I agree. And you know, if you look at Elijah Mitchell, like Elijah Mitchell's draft profile is pre- is pretty spicy. At least uh, the some of the um, advanced metrics that you look at. I mean, he has a you know uh, a ninety seventh percentile 40, 86 uh, percentile speed score, eighty eighth percentile burst, and seventy ninth percentile agility. Like 
he definitely has and checks the boxes there. He's not a bigger guy, 5'10", 201, so he's probably not going to be somebody that is utilized as an every-down back. But I, at the very least, he could definitely be a third-down back, which could hurt Trey Sermon as well. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't think I can, at least as things stand, mess with this backfield. Who is your next uh, loser from this year's uh, draft class? Another another obvious one we should just touch on quickly, and then you know we can move on to some, other, some of these other guys. But Melvin Gordon, obviously, with, with your boy, Javante Williams, you know, again, another trade-up scenario. Broncos traded up at the at the top of the second, you know, moved up like four or five spots to make sure that they got him. Melvin Gordon has always been a he he has gotten his fantasy value out of being a you know a very volume heavy running back. And even if you know Javante's only chipping in, I, I think by the end of the year, we're looking at Javante as the 1A in this offense. And for 2022, he is the clear-cut workhorse. But even if the, at the beginning of the year, you know, I, I really liked Melvin Gordon as a, you know, as a volume play, as a nice value RB2, because he was getting pushed down. You know, he was getting drafted in that RB24 to 26 range for the most part, because he's just not that sexy option. Denver didn't have the good year last year. He, he's, he was a uh, an obvious one that I, I think I just want to touch on real quick. Someone who I, I, I'm not going to overreact to this because he was a day three pick. He was a fifth round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I do think that in terms of Miles Sanders' true upside and his ceiling, I do think that takes a little bit of a hit with Kenny Gainwell landing there. You know, I don't think any of us would have been surprised if Gainwell was like a, a, a a round three draft pick for whatever reason. I don't know if it was size or what, or because he only has that, you know, that really that one season of big time production that he slid all the way to the fifth. But whenever you look at Nick Sirianni and what he did as OC with Indy, he had a round four pick in Naheem Hines. And if you look at what Hines did in his three years there, and you know, there was a, there was someone who made, the comp of Naheem Hines to Kenny Gainwell to Sirianni, and he agreed that that was, you know, that was probably a really good comp. He never, he had at least 85 carries and 76 targets in two of his three years in in Indy, Naheem Hines, that is. So I, I still think, I'm not sure that Gainwell gets that many carries, maybe more in like the, you know, the 50 to 70 range. I don't know if he gets up to that 80, 85 range. But in terms of targets, we know that targets are more valuable for running backs. So they're worth, you know, twice as much as a, as a carry. And if Miles Sanders, you know, is now not getting that workhorse treatment, you know, we, we have been Miles Sanders stands here. We've been pounding the table for him, you know, since he came in as a rookie. But now if we're, if we're going to be taking away, you know, 70-ish targets, 80-ish targets from, from him, and that's something that, that Gainwell did extremely well in his time in Memphis. They moved him around. They put him in the slot. They put him outside. You get him, you know, matched up with a linebacker one-on-one. Gainwell's going to win that, you know, eight times out of ten. So I, I'm not going to overreact to it. I'm, you know, not going to talk about Gainwell, you know, completely taking over, this becoming a 50-50 split. But I do think, like I said, in terms of, Miles Sanders' overall ceiling and his true upside of what it could be and should be, honestly, I do think it does take a a, a slight hit with Gainwell landing there. I, I get what you're saying. I, I feel like at least for this year, I'm not as, as worried about that Gainwell is going to come in and get 70 or 80 targets or anything like that. Um, I do think that he's probably their pass catching more satellite back, much more of like 
what we thought Boston Scott could be and stuff like that. But I still just don't think, I mean, Miles Sanders, I, I think that he probably still commands 65 to 70% of the touches in this backfield. I think he's still going to get opportunities as a pass catcher as well. Um, I don't think they're going to neuter him and make him just a first and second down back. And all of a sudden Kenny Gainwell is going to get, now is he going to lose some? Sure. But I, I don't think at least year one, it's going to be enough to really affect it. But I do hope that people have, the same the same uh viewpoint of him and lower him even further because he's already going you know late second early third and so if he starts going third fourth round i'm going to be all about that life with miles sanders because i think the upside is still there uh with him and people just aren't you know going to be as excited about him anyways because he didn't really meet expectations as last year you know but with jalen hurts there in this offense with adding Devonte smith like i like what this philadelphia eagles offense is going to look like this year and so you know, if people are a little bit lower than him on him, then I'm okay with it. I think that top 12 is still within his range of outcomes for this year. So, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So another one for me is 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 Kadarius Tony. Um, him going to the Giants, I don't understand the pick. I I guess you know they kind of redeemed themselves with their second round pick, getting um, Az's Ojulari, who was thought of being uh, to be a first round pick, tremendous tremendous edge rusher. But uh, they got in the second round. But Kadarius Tony just doesn't make any sense because one, I, I don't think he's that good. Um, he is just terrible. Like. <laughs> I saw uh, Matt, shout out Matt Harmon, who does a reception perception, did his, and he was like eight or it was like 10% success against uh, man coverage and 1% against zone. Uh, 1% success. 1% success. Like he is just awful. Like he is basically, you're just wanting to get the ball in his hands, get him in space, and, and that's it, right? But I don't know really where he plays. He's not an outside guy. Right. Like you're not going to put him on the outside. You're not going to bump Darius Slayton. You're not going to obviously Kenny Galladay. So, okay, slot. Well, Sterling Shepard is one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. So why would you bump him out? So I just don't know where he fits in this offense. And so you're going to have people that are going to hype uh, Kadarius Tony because if you turn off tape and you see some of the stuff he does when he gets the ball in his hands, he, he can be electric. I am not going to deny that. But at, in terms of the next level and everything else there is, like I, I just didn't love the landing spot, and I don't. I think it's a very crowded room now. Injuries could happen, and he could he could be a little more relevant later in the year. But as of things stand, like it is not a good landing spot. It's very crowded with Galladay, Slayton, Shepard, Saquon, Evan Ingram. Like there's so many guys there that I just don't think he's relevant at all this year. And he was a first round pick. Here's my thing. You you laid out the the whole depth chart thing. Sure, if you know Evan Ingram is gone next year and Sterling Shepard gets hurt, then like maybe he gets some more opportunity this year. Do we really think that Jason Garrett is gonna be the guy to get the most out of Kadarius Tony? Like I said, I know I know there was a bunch of hate with him. I he was one of the more polarizing prospects during this draft cycle. You know, some people having him as a top five wide receiver, he was consistently mocked in the first. Some people having him outside the top 10 and like a day three guy. He, he His value is kind of all over the place. I do think there are some things that he 
did show well on tape. You know, his, his short area quickness and agility, his, his ability to create yards after the catch, I, I think was really good. But is it going to happen with Jay, like Jason Garrett? And then you add in, you know, the the, the stacked room on top of it. So we, we don't have to go into this one too much further. It kind of seems like the, the only people out there who like this pick were Giants fans. You know, if, uh, if you guys are on TikTok, we're, we're starting to do a little bit more over there just with some, you know, quick thought videos. And I did one on Kadarius Tony, and the uh, the Giants fans came running in and, you know, made it seem like I was the idiot for suggesting that it, that it wasn't a great pick. And then I, I'm looking around and, like, everyone else is saying, like, no, this is a bad pick. I'm like, okay. So I, I'm not crazy, right? Like, I, I that, that's just the fandom. It, it, it's how it goes. Another, another spot that I think uh, – well, one – you know, it's funny. We we uh, we've been seeing a lot of talk about like Rashad Bateman and the Ravens uh, pass catching room, but the the one guy that I don't hear anybody talk about is Sammy Watkins, who signed there. Um, nobody brings him up at all as like a deterrent, and it's always like, okay, Rashad Bateman is going to be the wide receiver two. Tylen Wallace could be the number three. Devin Duvernay is there, but like nobody mentions Sammy Watkins' name is that he signed there, right? Like he's like a ghost and. Uh, this it can't be good for Sammy Watkins though. I do know that because uh, you know they spent two two wide two two draft picks on wide receivers. This is going to be another one of those situations that we're going to be talking about all offseason that trying to figure out because Rashad Bateman is was a guy that both of us loved coming into this into this process and you know I, I know he didn't he's not as big as what we thought he was but that's not really that big of a deal to me. Like he has the opportunity to be the alpha wide receiver one in this offense, but there is that kind of both sides of it. Now, can Lamar Jackson take that step forward and be kind of like what Josh Allen did once they started surrounding him with more talent? Because now there's not really a lot of excuses unless you know Rashad Bateman doesn't work out. But they they they're adding all this water, this all this talent into this backfield or into this in this wide receiver room for Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson can take that step then this could be really good things, I mean, really good things for a guy like Rashad Bateman, you know, or possibly Sammy Watkins, at least year one. But as things stand right now, this is kind of a crowded wide receiver room and an offense that's probably not going to throw the ball a ton because Roman and, you know, with his defense, with Lamar Jackson, you know, keeping the ball on the ground. Like, I think overall, like, you know, this could be a really crowded wide receiver room that maybe these guys just kind of cannibalize each other. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that because, like, now all of a sudden, like you said, it, it went from Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin to now you're looking around and you're like, oh, shit. All right. Like, we, we didn't mention him as a winner. We probably should have on the on the show we did for the uh, for, for the winners coming out of the 2021 NFL draft. Like you said, Lamar Jackson, like, there's not going to be a lot of a lot of excuses left for him after this year. If, you know, if, if he fails to take that next step, like, you're not going to be able to look around and say – well, they need to give him more help because now you're talking about Andrews and Bateman and Wallace and, you know, whatever role Sammy plays. So that's uh, that, Brown. Yeah. Now, now Marquise Brown, the, the thing with Bateman, I think that people are going a little too far with the hate on Bateman with his landing spot. It's going to come down to, it, it's not even for me necessarily Lamar Jackson. It's going to come down to whether or not, they're going to use Rashad Bateman as that alpha and move him around. He has a bunch of snaps on the outside where he succeeded. He has a bunch of snaps on the slot where he succeeded. They need to do a better job of – because Lamar Jackson is limited as a passer, point-blank period. He, he, he's limited. He's not going to be a guy who can hit all levels of the field, you know, inside, outside, every every level. 
he is good and you know in the middle of the field that is where Lamar Jackson succeeds are they going to move Bateman into the slot and let him operate in the middle and keep you know Marquise and Tylen Wallace on on the outside for, for the most part that is going to be what I think is going to determine how well Bateman does or does not do but like like you said I don't necessarily think that it's going to be even though Bateman is an alpha we both loved him I don't see this being like a Bateman getting 140 targets and then like the the next guy coming in and getting you know like around 100 110 I think they're all going to be very clustered together you know so so I can see that you know just from the the room as a whole because I don't think any one of these guys are really going to dominate targets in that group. Like I said, I think this is going to be one of the more polarizing situations, something we're going to be talking a lot about over the next two or three months uh, as we get closer to August, because um, I think there's a, kind of a, a line drawn in the sand here and where people come in. And um, more often than not, people are coming in on the negative side of it. But I do think there is a path to success here if Lamar Jackson can take a step forward. Um, because we've seen in flash where Lamar Jackson played well. We saw a couple years ago he was super efficient through 36 touchdown passes, right? And so now with more talent around him, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if he can take that Josh Allen-like step because if he can, then Rashad Bateman could be an absolute steal in this upcoming draft and somebody that we look more closer to, like a Justin Jefferson, right? Because last year, I mean, Justin Jefferson, when he was traded or when he was drafted, similar landing spot. Similar type of team who wants to run the ball, who's very run heavy um, in Minnesota. And uh, a guy that I don't think people really were expecting, the, obviously, the production that you got from Justin Jefferson. So uh, this could be somewhat of a similar situation here um, in terms of for Rashad Bateman. So uh, it's, it's one that I'm excited to kind of uh, monitor over the offseason, kind of see where we end up coming in on him. So and with that being said, do you have anybody else that's a, a loser that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I have two more. Uh, one guy who I kind of think is a is a low-key loser in this is Josh Jacobs. We saw what happened to that offensive line for the Raiders during, uh, during the offseason where it was just absolutely decimated. And they drafted one offensive lineman, and that was Alex Leatherwood, who they, they drafted. Yes, who they drafted, you know, what, 17 overall, something like that. And Leatherwood was one of these guys who was kind of like a, a fringe round one prospect to begin with. And then obviously it wasn't a, a draft move for them. But then, you know, kind of questionably or, you know, surprisingly, they brought in Kenyon Drake. So what, what are their plans going to be for him whenever they have, you know, Jalen Richard, who was, you know, a, a very fine complimentary, complimentary running back. And, you know, we've been trying to bang the table and just, you know, pulling the, our hair out of our heads wondering why they weren't using Josh Jacobs as a pass catcher. And now, you know, the the offensive line went from, you know, over the past two years being like a, a top five, you know, top eight, top ten unit to now being in the in the bottom of that conversation. So I think, you know, Josh Jacobs, just in terms of, you know, the, the Gruden effect now, it kind of seems like he, you know, there, there was a lot of high hopes for him. Kind of seems like he is losing that luster. So that, that was uh, someone who I thought was a, a loser in all this. And then the last one, I'm not sure if you have anybody else, but uh, you know, you were talking about the the Niners running back kind of as a group. I think as a group, we could look at the New Orleans Saints offense as, as being a loser. You know, we we thought that this was going to be a situation where they added at least some pass catching help because now you know they they obviously let Emmanuel Sanders go in the offseason. So it's now Michael Thomas. The you know, Devontae Parker has passed the torch 
as the the offseason hype lord. He has given that to Traquan Smith. He is now proudly, you know, wearing that wearing that belt as the the guy who's just going to continually be hyped up for you know, I mean, until we see the the year five breakout or whatever, like we saw from that. And then you know the the Troutman. I think we both like as a as a late end kind of tight end sleeper. But I don't think you can bank on him either. And then the the only additions they made were Ian Book of all quarterbacks to, to add there. And then I, I think they added like a sixth round offensive lineman and then a seventh round receiver from South Alabama, who I'm not even going to try to pretend to you guys like I have any idea who that is. So I don't know his strengths, weaknesses, what kind of player he is, any of that. But the fact that like that they didn't do anything with this offense and now we're, you know, wondering who's going to be playing quarterback for them. I think that the New Orleans Saints offense, you know, can be looked at as a, as a loser as well. How dare you besmirch Traquan Smith like that? He actually said that I felt like I should have talked about in the winners because he is likely the number two wide receiver in this offense now. And if we get our, our, our our hopes and dreams come true. We get Jameis as the starting quarterback of the Saints. One thing I will say, at least with Drew Brees, is I, I mean, he just didn't have the same deep threat ability to really be able to utilize somebody like Traquan um, and unlock him. Because I mean, Traquan Smith is a uh, you know somebody that has you know 70th percentile or 82nd percentile speed score, 85th percentile burst score, like somebody that is super explosive, but. This really has never been given the, the full-time opportunity. Though I will say last year, he played 73% of the snaps, um, You know, but that's not great. That was 63rd among all wide receivers. 50 targets was 87th among all – and 11% target share uh, last year. He did have a few games where he popped, but for the most part, he only averaged 7.9 fantasy points per game or 448 receiving yards on 34 receptions and four touchdowns. So, um, you know, we'll see here. Uh, for, for Traquan, is this the year that he finally breaks out and kind of puts it all together? I don't know, but he's somebody that you could probably get uh, almost for free. So I think he's worth a dart. But I do understand what you're saying. I'm surprised they didn't try to do more in terms of the draft to really upgrade this offense a little bit more um, to add some more weapons. We'll see. Uh, you know, once we get past June, uh, I think June 1st is a big landing spot because a lot of these veterans that would have gotten uh, competition, draft pick comp- compensation will now be over with. Uh, teams can will be able to sign these guys and uh, they will no longer cost the draft or they will no longer get a draft pick in return or another team will not anymore. So I think for a lot of these uh, veteran guys, we'll get like a second, third wave of free agency here with some of these guys. So maybe they can add somebody else. Maybe they trade for somebody. We'll see. But as of right now, I, I kind of agree with where you're coming from. But did you have anybody else? I do not, man. Like I, I think as, in, as far as looking at for redraft purposes for 2021, there weren't a lot out of like – Outside of like the obvious guys, um, you know, that that we already mentioned at the top, so that's that's all I got. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, we have a you know couple two or three months here to really go through this and really dissect this and really start doing a deep dive. Um, you can expect we'll start doing some of our player versus player videos where we did last year, where you know one of us, each of us, will come on. We'll have a player. What we're going to argue the side of them. If there's if there's a player versus player you guys want to hear about, let us know in the comment section. We'll definitely let you go. We will definitely do that. But we're going to have a ton of those. We're going to up that uh, tenfold. 
So you can expect those coming out every single week, multiple times a week, uh, probably starting in June, where we're going to have a ton of those. We're really going to start battling these guys out. Uh, I think it's very helpful because we talk about guys that are close in ADP, you know, the guys you're going to be making decisions about when you get to draft day come August. So with that being said, I appreciate everybody checking us out. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button for future content. We're going to start going live. We'll start doing mock drafts. we got a lot of content coming out. I really appreciate it. I think that's all we got. So good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Perfect.